as for this week's industry insights, I kind of have a positive and a negative industry insight for you this week. So let's start with the positive. So if you haven't heard about this new campaign from Oreo, this is from the Oreo team in the Middle East, and they began this new campaign to help abandoned pets in the United Arab Emirates that are named Oreo and those that are not. So, you know, as you know, Oreo is a very common name for a pet, especially when they are black and white in color, but even when they're not, because, you know, it's such a fun and cute, you know, name for a pet and something that's really recognizable. So Oreo is releasing these limited edition boxes that are shaped like a pet kennel and, you know, features an illustration of a cat on it. Um, and they're selling these and you can scan a QR code on there to, that brings you to a website that's called Bring Home Oreo. And from there, you're able to help, you know, this organization that's helping find these animals a home. So I think this is such a clever way for Oreo to really insert themselves, you know, as a brand leader. You know, so many people name their pets Oreo. You know, when you think of a a chocolate and cream cookie, you think of an Oreo. And so to be able to have that brand recognition factor, I think is so cool for their messaging and their branding, but then also to have that brand purpose, which we've talked about so many times in the podcast, how it's so increasingly important, you know, in recent times, as it always is, but, you know, especially with Gen Z is looking for those purpose led campaigns from these brands. I think it's so important for Oreo to cement themselves in that space as well. So hats off to the Oreo Middle East team for this new campaign. But as for the negative industry insight, I have been, you know, reading all the coverage of this because I just can't help myself because I am such like a, a celebrity news, you know, hound. I love hearing about this. Um, and so if you haven't heard about the Olivia Wilde drama, it really has a connection to PR. So Olivia Wilde is directing this new movie called Don't Worry Darling, and it stars Francis Pugh, Florence Pugh, sorry, and Harry Styles as the two main um, characters in the movie. And so, you know, Olivia Wilde has been known in the past, you know, her big, you know, I hate to say messaging because she's a real person, not a brand, but her, you know, messaging from her team has been, you know, that she champions female directors, you know, she is a female director, she wants to shake up the industry, she wants to, you know, change up those norms of women in the in Hollywood and, you know, really, you know, start the new movement for, you know, how women should be treated on sets and how they should be paid and all of that. So that should be, you know, if that's something that she really believes in and goes for and she, you know, works with organizations and she directs herself, that should be her main messaging for any interview that she does on her, you know, work in Hollywood or her movies or any of that. Well, if you haven't heard the drama about Don't Worry Darling, Florence has come out and said that, you know, Olivia wasn't that nice to her on set, didn't treat her as she would want to be treated. There's been pay disparities between Harry Styles and Florence. Um, where, you know, she is the main character, she's an Oscar-nominated actress, yet she was paid much less than Harry Styles was, who, you know, has only been in a few things, is an Oscar-nominated, more is on the music side. And, you know, so because of that, people had backlash towards Olivia Wilde. So to try to fix this, her team came out with this, I believe it was Hollywood Reporter um, cover. Let me just confirm that. So as for this week's industry insights, I have two industry insights, one that is positive and one that is negative. And so as for the positive one, if you haven't heard already, Oreo in the Middle East has launched a new campaign called Oreo and Friends, where they've reimagined their classic Oreo packaging to change the shape into the shape of a kennel. And it features a black and white cat on the side and a QR code that brings you to a website called Bring Home Oreo. And so the purpose behind this campaign is to help animals named Oreo and those who are not named Oreo find a home for these abandoned pets that you know are out there that need people's help so oreo is really bringing awareness to this big problem that's happening in the middle east of you know pets being abandoned looking for owners 
And so Oreo kind of has it had a two pronged approach approach with this, I would say, because, you know, they're really driving home that brand recognition factor, because, you know, when you think of the word Oreo or when you think of a chocolate and cream cookie, the first thing you think of is Oreo. And of course, one of the most popular pet names, especially for pets who are black and white in color is Oreo. So they're really tying into that audience, you know, that has that brand recognition from, you know, maybe their pet's name Oreo or people who just really love the purpose behind the brand and, you know, want to support a brand that that they recognize that is doing this great work. And as we've talked about before on the podcast, you know, Gen Z is really into purpose marketing and communications as a whole. And so it's just so great to see Oreo taking that by the reins, you know, picking a, um, you know, a cause that really fits in with their brand messaging and, you know, what they're doing as a brand to really differentiate themselves from others in the space. So hats off to the Oreo team on this campaign. But as for the negative, I really can't help myself from paying attention to celebrity news. It just becomes like so addicting to, to, to keep track of, especially when it's fully on all of our Instagram and Twitter feeds and everything. But this piece of celebrity news, I feel really has a strong connection to PR and, you know, perception of, you know, an individual's, you know, PR missions and plans and everything. So if you haven't heard about the Olivia Wilde drama, let me just kind of give you the Spark Notes version. So Olivia Wilde has a new movie coming out called Don't Worry Darling, and it stars Florence Pugh and Harry Styles. So as you know, she's dating Harry Styles. So of course, the, the movie has a lot of buzz behind that. They want to see, you know, her work with Harry Styles, you know, as the director and, you know, actor and see how the movie comes out. Harry Styles has such a strong fan base, but also Florence has a lot of people who follow her movies who are fans of her as well. So it has a lot of, you know, media attention on the movie and everything. So, you know, Olivia Wilde, her, you know, messaging as an individual has always been that she champions female directors. She wants to change, you know, the ways of the past of women in Hollywood. She wants to blaze, you know, a trail forward to the future. She wants to break ceilings. And, you know, that should be the messaging coming for her if she's going to be, you know, talking about these issues, really making them as part of, you know, her platform as a celebrity. And so, you know, a lot of people had respect uh, for her for that fact that she supported those causes that she wanted to be part of the change in the industry well Florence Pugh came out and said that you know Olivia was not that nice to her on set she didn't treat her how she would want to be treated and then there were pay disparities between Florence and Harry Styles Florence is an Oscar nominated actress and she was not getting nearly as enough nearly as much money as Harry Styles was who is not necessarily in the acting space as much as Florence is he's more in the music space so, you know, there was a lot of back and forth of people online, you know, sharing backlash for Olivia Wilde because, you know, she's really not living, tr- living true to, you know, what she's saying and what she's practicing, what she preaches. And so from there, it even got worse because, you know, there was this whole situation where Olivia Wilde was then saying that, you know, she fired Shia LaBeouf from the movie and that he wasn't welcome because of his methods that were, you know, dangerous to others in the cast. And this was all part of a variety cover story, which I'm sure her team, you know, organized in an industry publication that, of course, would ask her questions about her female directing and, you know, how she's going to change the industry and all of that stuff. But also, you know, ask her these other questions where she could have those prepared answers for all these different things that were going on. And so she tried to really cover up the Florence Pugh rumors saying, you know, oh, I really have respect for her and I'm excited to work together and all of this, this stuff. But the whole you know, interview was really bookmarked on this comment about Shia LaBeouf and about that because I was watching this TikTok video from a PR professional who's famous on TikTok and I don't necessarily follow her, just I've seen her on my FYP sometimes. And she was really explaining the whole situation from a PR perspective. And I found it really interesting, of course, because I love PR, but 
Um, she was talking about how Shia LaBeouf and his team, you know, have really been rebuilding his career. You know, he's had a questionable past. He was, you know, a fan favorite, you know, person on the Disney Channel when he was growing up, you know, in all these classic movies like Holes and the Even Stevens movie and all of this. And people really loved him. And then, of course, you know, his career kind of went off the rails a bit. You know, he had those unconventional acting methods. You know, he had some things going on in his personal life. So in the past couple of years, he's really owned up to those mistakes and they're really reclaiming, you know, his title in Hollywood. And so for Florence to come out and say this, that he was fired from the movie because he had bad behavior on set and this whole thing, you know, of course, him and his team were going to stick up for him and, you know, say that that wasn't true. And also there was proof of a video that came out where Olivia Wilde was talking about, you know, we have to keep you know, Shia LaBeouf, like, what can we do to keep him on the film and this whole thing? So obviously there was no, like, you're fired from the film because of bad behavior. It seems like they were trying to change the set to fit Shia LaBeouf, and ultimately it didn't work out. So now the question is from a PR perspective. So Florence Pugh, I mean, Olivia Wilde, went on the cover of Variety. She did this cover story. She talked about, you know, Shia LaBeouf and kind of, you know, talked about that situation. And now that this response is out from Shia's team, now that the video has been leaked, with, you know, a video of her saying that the complete opposite of what she was saying in the interview, you know, do you, th- and which I haven't asked the listener question in a long time. So here's the listener question of the day. Do you think that Olivia Wilde should come out and say like, yeah, you caught me like I'm lying. I was lying. And, you know, I just want to make things better. want to, you know, have open lines of communication in the industry, you know, make sure that things like this don't happen again, or should she double down and deny it? So my opinion just from looking at it objectively, I haven't really dove that deep into it, even though it sounds like it now, now that I'm recounting it for all of you. <laughs> but I think that she should come out and just be on open and honest because I think people really appreciate that transparency nowadays, especially Gen Z, who is like one of the main audiences that is going to see this movie. You know, they're big fans of Harry Styles. You know, they're big fans of Florence Pugh. So they really would appreciate that transparency. And I think it would go a long way, you know, for her career, especially how she's been so transparent about you know her thoughts about the industry and about things that need to change I think that would really align with you know the messaging that her team has been putting out prior to all of this don't worry darling drama so I'm really curious to see what's going to happen on that front especially as the Venice um, Film Festival begins and I also heard that Florence is only doing press for this so it ought to be interesting what they're both going to say in their interviews but as for today's episode getting off the celebrity train I'm so excited for you all to hear from my guest, as I'm always excited for you to hear from my guests. But for today's episode, we're going to be talking about all about what agencies are looking for in an employee, because my guest is an agency owner. She'll also share about maintaining a mentorship, you know, what mentors and mentees can expect from the relationship, as well as, you know, what it's like to join PRSA after graduation, whether you were in PRSSA in college or if you're brand new to the whole entire program. Lots of good conversation. and. I hope you all will stay tuned for the interview. You're not going to want to miss it. But before we jump into the interview, just a few reminders from my end, as always. If you're not following us already on social media, follow us at Queen of Calm Podcast on Instagram and at Queen of Calm Pod on Twitter. Then if you're enjoying the Queen of Calm Podcast and you want to let us know how you feel, head to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Then if you want to be in the Queen of Calm podcast, you can either leave us a voicemail by heading to the link in our bio or heading to anchor.fm slash queen of calm podcast slash message. And you can leave us a question about anything that's been talked about on the show, a potential topic, anything that you want answered from my previous guests. 
and I'll be sure to play it on the show. Or I'm now accepting new guest pitches. So if you're interested on about being on the Queen of Crown podcast, if you have a colleague or a friend or a classmate that you think would tell a great story on the show, I'd love to hear it. So be sure to send your guest pitch to queenofcompodcast at gmail.com and I'm ready to read them. My next guest is the CEO of 84 Communications, a brand reputation and strategic comms firm. Please welcome Rena Foster to the podcast. Welcome. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Excited to have you on. So I'd love to get started with how you first got interested in communications. Sure. So I actually come from a long line of communicators. Um, So my, let's see, my mom was the managing editor of um, community newspapers. And then my grandparents in the Philippines, they were actually um, columnists for the newspaper there in the Philippines. And then they were authors and then they were speakers. So it's kind of like in my blood. And then I feel like whenever I was in um, college and writing papers, my mom would review them and then she would mark them up in red. So I was like, oh my gosh, I have to be like a good writer. So that's, that's kind of how I got interested in it. Wow. Yeah. I love that. You're used to the edits early on. <laughs> yep. Yep. It was my goal to have no red ink. Love it. And so you know, moving on more towards your college years, you know, a lot of my listeners are in college or they just graduated from college and they're just entering that career in communication. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, your experience in college and how that led to your career? Yeah, sure. Um, so I went to a small private university in Iowa. So I'm in Vegas now, which is a big, a big difference. Um, but you know, when I was in college, I, I did a lot, you know, I was part of the newspaper, um, I went in as a broadcast journalism major. So I think one of the biggest things I'd say is um, try a lot. If it doesn't feel right, then try something else. You know, it's that's where you should be learning. Um, So I went in as as a broadcast journalism major and I was like, oh, I don't know. It's just isn't it doesn't feel right. But I still love to communicate. Um, So then I switched to PR. and, And at the time, I didn't even know what PR was. You know, it wasn't something that was really talked about at that time too. So I didn't know that that major even existed. Um, and then when I found it, I was like, oh, these are my people. These are the <laughs> storytelling, like this is what I should be doing. And it just felt right. Um, and so, you know, I was really active uh, in their PRSSA program. So that's another thing that I would encourage, um, you know, people to do is to be involved in that program. I learned a lot and was able to connect with a lot of similar minds. Um, and then, you know, I worked a lot of jobs. So I worked retail. Um, and then I had two other internships during my time too. And so I think internships are really important. It's where you kind of figure out what kinds of environments you want to be in. Um, you know, so I worked in a corporate environment and then I worked in agency as um, an intern and was really able to figure out which side do I like. Um, so I did a lot of things in college and I think that that's, you know, a good thing. Yeah. And I love how you brought up that piece of, you know, how you didn't know what PR was to start out, because I think that's such an experience that so many people have when they're in college and they want to get into communications. And, you know, there's so many different avenues with advertising and PR and marketing. And so you're trying to find your way. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. And sometimes I always say that, like, sometimes PR needs its own publicist because so many people don't know it before they start out. <laughs> yes, yeah, I know. It's crazy. You think as as communicators, we would be educating people more, but for some reason, it's that like hidden gem in the mass comm school, I feel like. 
Yes, definitely. And also, yeah, I totally agree that, you know, PRSSA is so important and internships. Those are some of my favorite parts of college as well of, you know, getting to, you know, meet with those like-minded people. And back before the pandemic, we went to, you know, agency tours and did all that. And it was just always so exciting to be doing something on that front. Yes, I agree. It's great. So, you know, post uh, graduation, what was your career journey like into then starting your own agency? Yeah, you know, it was full of experiences. So I I started out working at a publishing company. And so I did um, internal comms at the publishing company um, and employee kind of engagement and communication. And then I switched over to their book department where I was able to do cookbook tours for authors. Um, so that was kind of my entertainment bug, I'd say. You know, it was fun to do um, like book signings across the country. I got to work with the Today Show and I thought, oh my gosh, it's so glamorous, <laughs> right? And that, that's, what, that's what people kind of think. Um, and then my parents got divorced when I was a freshman in college. Um, my dad went to Ohio and my mom went to California. And so I was stuck here in, in <laughs> Iowa going, okay, what am I, you know, what am I going to do? Um, and so then I, you know, I looked at jobs in California and I just thought, you know, it just didn't feel right again. Um, and at the time Vegas was booming. Um, and so I thought, all right, well, I've never really considered, you know, Vegas. I'm from Iowa, like very <laughs> different on so many different levels. Um, and so I checked it out, you know, I came for a week, I interviewed at different agencies, um, and I thought, all right, let's just, let's do it. You know, I was um, hired at a small agency. So I started at kind of like a, you know, a mom and pop shop. Um, it was a husband and, and wife owner. Um, and I did everything like campaigns start to finish. And it was really like restaurants, nightclubs. I worked with David Copperfield. So it's very like Vegas, you know, what you think of when you're doing Vegas publicity. Um, and then I kind of just got you know, burnt out. I, I really wanted something else. I wanted to see the corporate side, um, you know, of, of PR. And so I switched over and did um, corporate communications. I worked with real estate developers. Um, and then I opened up a casino here in Vegas. Um, and then I went in-house for six years with them. So that was great. I loved that I got to kind of see something that was a rendering. And then I got to actually work in the building and I thought, oh my gosh, like I'm working in this building that I saw as, you know, a blueprint. Um, so I did that for, you know, for six years, led internal and then external comms. Um, and then I went to work at another, another agency, a, a large agency, got to work on some blue, blue chip kind of clients, um, big budgets, big agency with different offices across the country which again, it just was a different, you know, experience. I think that's a theme. I just, I really wanted to learn from different leaders, be in different um, environments to see what fit me best. Um, and then, you know, I, I was at another agency. Um, I've moved back to the Midwest three times. So, <laughs> and then Vegas <laughs> just keeps pulling me, you know, back to the city, um, which now I love. But um, then I went to another agency and this was kind of when I was trying to figure out, you know, I think I want to own my own agency, but what does that really entail? And how do I become um, more business-minded and understand how to make an agency profitable versus, you know, doing kind of the tactician and being a practitioner. And so I was able to get that experience. And then I launched my own in 2018. Wow. Well, that's such a cool career that you've had so far. And so a question I'd love to ask you is, you know, for those recent graduates who are just starting out or even people who have been, you know, five years into their career in PR, 
you know, what was that process like for you to kind of decide whether you wanted to go into agency or in-house as you were, you know, making these career changes? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, I knew I wanted to do both and I would encourage, um, you know, anyone starting out and even between that one and five to have both experiences. You may think in your mind, oh no, I would never work at an agency or I would only, you know, be corporate or, or whatever it is. But I think both experiences are really important for me. Um, I, I love doing like multiple things. I love learning different clients and going deep and then switching gears. And I feel like the innovation that an agency has to have um, is kind of what drives you. You know, every day you wake up and I'm like, okay, what ideas can we have for our clients? Um, and I think that that's really exciting. Um, on the flip side, you know, corporate communications, and I work with a lot of corporate communicators, um, you get to go really deep, right? In that business and really understand it and really build relationships with different business units, um, but it's a different pace. And I think that's the biggest thing. It's a different pace. It's a different um, expectation of work too. So um, I think those are really the differences. Yeah, definitely. And I love how you put it about the agency of always have, having something exciting because I feel that excitement too of like, I always say being like many experts in all these different, you know, industries that you work with, like one day you might be in real estate, but then as you move over to another client, you're in entertainment, like you get to kind of dabble in all these different things. It's just so cool. It is not for the faint of heart though, right? I mean, yes. <laughs> it, is, it is quick, it is fast paced, um, but you know, there's, there's always something happening. So I think that that's great. And I like that environment, um, but you have to know you like it, right? And I think that's why you have to try it and just see if it's for you. Yes, definitely. And so you touch on this a bit, um, but you know, speaking more on those recent graduates as well. So it's graduation season right now. A lot of graduates are about to head out into the communications industry. You know, things are shifting always. So what's your advice for those college students who are about to graduate and enter the industry? Yeah, um, I think make connections. You know, I, I am a huge believer in PRSA, um, Public Relations Society of America. Um, I think that the connections and the group that you, that you get to meet through that organization is invaluable. Um, throughout my career, I've been able to kind of tap into those, um, those professionals across the country. You know, I've had instances where, oh my gosh, you know, I, I have a campaign that's going to be in New York and I know nothing about the New York market. Like, who can I go to to help with that? And so I've been able to really lean on that network. Um, so I think, I think the biggest thing is, um, you know, make connections and don't be afraid to just LinkedIn somebody um, appropriately, you know, with, <laughs> after reading their information and really knowing who you're connecting with. Um, but I think you have to put yourself out there a little bit and you have to really, um, you have to market yourself, you know, at the end of the day. And I think um, being able to do that is really important and set yourself apart. Yeah, yeah, that is so important, that networking factor. Um, I feel like we touched on LinkedIn just now, but I think LinkedIn is just so cool because people now, you know, post pandemic, I think are posting more personal things on there. You're really getting a sense of these people who you're connecting with. And just through this podcast alone, like I just know that so many people like yourself are so willing to share their tips, you know, for recent graduates and college students just starting out because there's just so much knowledge to be learned from others. And even like the people you work with, like those connections stay with you for so long. Like if you move to another agency, like people are always going to remember, you know, the work you did at other agencies and able to be, you know, references for you. So it's always so important to make those connections. Yeah. And I think, I mean, at the end of the day, what's the worst somebody's going to say, you know, no, I don't want to meet with you or, or they, yeah. don't, they don't answer your, I think sometimes we're so afraid of, of failure, right. And of putting yourself out there. And then what is the response going to be? And so I just, 
you know, I really hope that people, you know, kind of get uncomfortable. You know, it, it is uncomfortable to network, to get out there, to send a LinkedIn request. Um, but I think you learn to, you learn more about yourself and you equally um, have growth from those experiences. So I think just don't be afraid. Yeah. And that lends itself to our work that we do with journalists as well. Like if you kind of use this as a test run to network, you know, with maybe other, you know, uh, professionals who are around your age or even, you know, more seasoned professionals that can kind of give you a kind of a test run before you reach out to journalists and start building those connections. I think that's such a great way to really build that uh, networking factor as well. Yep, absolutely. So we were just talking about your advice for, you know, those recent graduates who are just heading out into the communications industry. And so I was recently talking with um, a recent guest all about, you know, the job search process and finding that first job in PR. And I think something that's so intimidating sometimes for recent graduates is, you know, really understanding, you know, what an agency job is really like and what they should look for. So from your perspective as an agency owner and having been in their shoes, starting out, you know, first in the industry, what do, do agencies look for in an ideal candidate? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, what? For me, I look for somebody who is eager, who has that kind of startup scrappy mentality, who really wants to learn and dig in. I think that that's really important. Um, and whether you're a new graduate or you're somebody who's been in the profession for 10 years, I think, or even more, I think learning and that zest for curiosity um, are qualities that you need regardless. And that's something that I look for. Um, I also think you know, being wanting or wanting to contribute and um, having a voice and an opinion, but at the same time, right, balancing that with with being strategic in what you're saying. So <laughs> I think there, there's a difference, right? And wanting to contribute and having you know, a say and raising your hand, but it doesn't align with what the, the client wants or where you're going. So I think just really understanding um, what the client wants, what you're trying to do, and those stakeholders when you're when you're contributing, I think is really important, and that's something that I look for that kind of strategic mind. Um, and you know, I think just a passion for what we do. You know, at the end of the day, I think a passion for connecting, for relationships, for making an impact is really important, and those are things um, that are I feel like innate in you. Um, it's almost more those soft skills that are more important, you know, at the end of the day, I, I know you went to school for PR, <laughs> like you should know how to do these certain things. Um, but it's really, um, just having the qualities that you want to learn that you, um, have empathy and you care about the people that you're working with and you care about the clients. Uh, I think those are really important. Yeah, that passion factor is so important. And I feel like it's so easy to see, you know, if someone really doesn't you know, want to go into the job that they're going for, you can kind of get that feeling. And uh, this goes back to what you're talking about way at the beginning with having that initial love of writing and kind of finding your passion in PR that way. I feel like there's so many ways in PR where you can show that passion, whether it's the writing or, you know, doing something, you know, to build that connection with the client, like you were talking about. So definitely that is so important. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And I mean, also, you know, the other tip that I would say is um, I think, I think give PR a chance. I think sometimes when <laughs> people have that right, it doesn't necessarily match maybe what they thought PR was going to be like or what they learned in school. And then they're kind of like, oh my gosh, you know, is, is this the right career for me? 
you know, is, is agency really what I want to do? Like, this was a horrible experience. I don't ever want to do it again. And I think um, you have to give yourself a little bit of grace and also be okay with, uh, you know, taking another step or another leap. Don't, don't leave right away. And so I think that that's really important too, is just giving it a chance and giving yourself a chance to develop and learn um, is also important. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And so going off of that, and this is kind of going back to what we're talking about with that LinkedIn and networking. So, you know, agencies sometimes can feel like, you know, you're working on your team. You're only with that same set of people working on the same clients. So what are your tips for kind of networking agency wide with different people that you work with? Yeah. Um, I say just ask them, ask them to coffee, ask them to lunch. You know, it's, it seems basic, but I think building those bridges are so important, whether it's with a creative person, a strategist, um, or if you're, you know, just a communications firm and you, you don't do any integrated services and you all work on different accounts, I think you can learn so much from others and not being afraid. Again, it goes back to that, not being afraid to just reach out and say, Hey, you know, I'd love to learn what you're doing on your account. You know, could we have coffee together? Um, it's that, that bridge that will bring everybody together. So just ask again, what's the worst they could say is no, I don't have enough time. Well, okay. <laughs> you, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, I think relationship building at the end of the day, we are people who build relationships for our companies and their stakeholders, as well as each other. And so we have to get really good at being able to put ourselves in uncomfortable situations to learn and to come at it from a place of, I want to learn about this person and I want to contribute and add value to the conversation. Yeah, definitely. And you never know what anyone's working on, if they might want to pick your brain on something because you're an expert or they, or you might want to pick their brain. It kind of goes both ways. And that's such a great way of making, you know, an agency, like a a full immersive experience as you're working there. So that was, I definitely agree with what you said. Yeah. And I mean, even common interests, right? Like maybe they like to run and you like to run. And so during lunch hours, now you're going to go run. You know, I think um, you don't know somebody until you actually give them kind of a chance and learn more about it. And it's on you to be the one that steps up and, and builds that bridge. You know, nobody else is going to say, oh, you know what, I'm going to go seek that person out. I mean, maybe they will, but at the end of the day, it's up to us to be that connector, um, you know, both for our client as well as ourselves. Yes, definitely. And so, you know, speaking on building connections again, and then we also touched a bit on, you know, PRSA. So I know that is such a big part of, you know, you're a part of that and you're a big part of PRSSA. So, you know, can you talk about your work with the organization and then also, you know, how recent graduates can get involved right away? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I said it before, but I love PRSA um, and this is a volunteer organization. So I'm not (laughs) like, you know, plugging them for a reason. But um, so I was involved in PRSA, um, PRSSA as a student. Uh, Then I left and I joined, um, you know, the professional organization. And it's really been just a lifeline for me. It's been great to be able to network um, and to meet other professionals. Uh, My work, so I through our local, our local chapter, I was president for um, two years, two terms. And then um, I've just sat on the board doing various positions from, um, oh gosh, membership. And then now I'm the PRSSA liaison. So my work now is to um, kind of bridge the gap between students who are at our colleges and universities here in Vegas and then our professional community. Um, and then I was also part of Western District. So there's the Western District and we have... Um, all the different chapters in the Western District. Uh, and then we always we also have a conference. So I chaired the conference. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just 
I really wanted to meet people. And I think it's a great organization to be able to do that and to lean on different resources. The, um, the PRSA organization also has different sections. So whether you're a new pro or you are in education or you're in healthcare, there's different sectors for you to belong to where you can really, again, partner with like-minded individuals who are in your same sector and be able to collaborate and better um, you know, answer challenges that you have. And so I think that um, it's really been beneficial for me. Um, something else I was going to say. Oh, and then they just launched um, their PRSA mentorship program. So I think that's another thing. Mentorship um, is also something that I would encourage others to, to do. And through PRSA and with your membership, it is free. So you can literally go on and say, I want to mentor and find somebody and reach out. So I mentor four professionals um, across the country who are in various stages of their career. Um, and it's been great, great for me, great for them, hopefully. And, um, I think it's just a really neat thing that they do where I think everybody can learn from another person, right? And so um, it's just a good program that they have. Yeah, definitely. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because I had a great experience with PRSSA slash PRSA mentoring. I got paired with a mentor while I was still in college through PRSSA. And then now that I'm post-grad, we're still in touch and we're still, you know, having check-in. So it's such an awesome experience. So anyone out there listening, join PRSA, PRSSA, any one of those and get involved because it is such an amazing organization. It is, you know, but at the same time, I think um, also making sure that you're kind of in that driver's seat of learning, right? And what do you want to get out of this mentorship experience? And, um, you know, I, th I think coming to the table with clear goals in mind of, okay, I want to talk to this mentor because X, Y, and Z, or I have this challenge and this need and, oh my gosh, they align with it and they can really help me. So take control of what you want out of the relationship. Don't just go into it saying, okay, I want a mentor and I hope the conversation's going to flow, right? Um, so I think just being really intentional and mindful of how are you connecting with your mentor or mentee and what do you want out of the relationship? Yes. Yeah, definitely. And so speaking of that, you know, I know so many, you know, mentorships are so exciting at the beginning and you have so much to talk about and you bring those, you know, goals to talk about, but how do you kind of keep that conversation going as you've kind of kept this mentorship going for a while? Yeah, I, I think again, it's checkpoints and it's goals. You know, I meet with them um, once a month. So that's what we established. And if we wanted to do it more, we can certainly do that. But you know, I always ask them, what are your short-term, long-term goals? What challenges do you have? How can I better help you achieve what you want to? And then it's really holding each other accountable. You know, what do you want me to help you with and how can I deliver on that? Um, and so I think having checkpoints and making sure that you are accountable to those helps keep the conversation going versus kind of just that, that one-off meeting or the random email um, again, it's nurturing a relationship. So how would you build a relationship with anybody? Right. And you don't just kind of see them once. And then it's like, bye, when I need <laughs> you, it's, you're there to really learn from each other. So how do you want to nurture that relationship? Yes, definitely. And I'm glad that you brought up that checklist too, because, um, I was recently talking with some uh, college students at my PRSSA chapter, they invited me to come back. And so we we're talking about having that checklist, you know, as you go through your career of like, where do I want to be in six months? How can I achieve that and all that? And that is so important to have that, you know, personally as well, that maybe you might not share with the mentor, but also like, 
just to have your own personal checkpoints in your career, because I feel like that's just in the beginning, it's always like, oh my God, I get my first job in PR, but then it's like, what can I be doing to get to the next level? And that will definitely help in the mentor process as well. (laughs) Yes. I'm a huge believer in roadmaps and where do you want to be? You know, I know everybody always says like, where do you want to be in five, 10 years? And even, you know, in six months, because I feel like if you, again, don't take control of your career and where you want to go, you're going to end up someplace and be like, how did I get here? (laughs) You know, (laughs) I think you really have to be intentional about your time, um, especially as you get, you know, older and you're taking on, you know, you have a family and you have a job, you have to really protect your time um, and manage that. And so making sure you're really clear with where are you going and what does every day have in it that gets you towards your goal. Yes. And so Rena, I have one question that I asked all my guests. And so I always love to end the episode on a high note because I'm a big fan of Sophia Amoruso and um, she uh, coined the phrase girl boss. So I love to ask my guests, who is your favorite girl boss? And you can say more than one because we've definitely had multiples in the past. Um, I love Sarah Blakely, you know, from Spanx. I follow her. I think she is just a phenomenal example of a, a mom, a businesswoman, and somebody who really um, looks at the customer lens and then retrofits to fit the customer right. And I think that that's just so important. So I love her. Yes, I love Sarah too. And I love following her on LinkedIn because she always has such clever and inspirational posts. And I always want to share them on my LinkedIn because they always like hit the nail on the head so perfectly. Yes, I love her. Well, Rena, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was so great to hear about your experiences and your advice. So thank you so much. Of course. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Did you enjoy this episode of the Queen of Calm podcast? Well, head to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Do you want to be on the Queen of Calm podcast? Head to the link in our Instagram bio or to anchor.fm slash queenofcompodcast slash message to leave us a voicemail that could potentially be used on the show. And finally, if you're not already, follow us on social media at Queen of Calm Podcast on Instagram and at Queen of Calm Pod on Twitter. Join us next week as we celebrate more women in communications.